Welcome to Starfleet Boy, where we have a casual and informal discussion about our beloved series, Star Trek. Back on another exciting episode of Starfleet Boy, where we have a casual and informal conversation about Star Trek. We're focused on Star Trek The Next Generation. Still, we're on season five, episode 10. Are you proud of me, Sean? <laughs> is that correct also? Yes, that is correct. <laughs> okay. It is correct. Okay. <laughs> I, I, lo- I love how you say still. <laughs> still. Is this not over yet? I mean, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I can't believe it. I mean, our um, two years. The podcast is like a little over two years old, so that's insane. And well, the the audio and the video part of it. I don't know. What do you call a uh, the video portion? You just call it a a, a vlogcast? No, a vog vlogcast vod vodcast <laughs> vodcast. It's on YouTube. Yeah. I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> But it's not live. Only, we did do our very first actual live episode uh, last week. The doctor was on there, and Sean, you were on the text thread, and that was hella fun. I thought it was great. Um, there were way more ch- chat participants than I thought, and... Uh, and uh, <laughs> yeah, you can even see the thing. You couldn't respond I couldn't to anybody. I can communicate with them. I, no, know. I know. I have a formal complaint. I couldn't, jo- okay, I couldn't join the conversation. So I said, I'll send some <laughs> chat messages, you know, for the first few minutes just to, you know, drop some, some opinion. And, and you didn't even read the chat messages. And so I, I, my, my messages weren't included. I was, I was. And I, and I think I kind of told one of your ideas that you had. Because oh, the other thing is, is we dropped the news before everyone else on YouTube about Picard because we were, happened to be doing a discussion and the news <laughs> came out at the end of our discussion really so we were, no actually yeah, we, we, we were getting we were getting stamps. live um wow. we were live to live tweets um yeah we were like of the events we were, uh th- thanks to text track yes. he was the first to to bring it to sean's attention and then text sean brought it to my track. attention on on the air and what we're talking about in case you don't know or or for posterity is that 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 was the brand the second there's two Captain Picard days in a year. One is the one that you get on the show, and then from now on, the, that that Sunday is is Captain Picard day. Well, that's that's history. Picard's back day because he's no longer captain. <laughs> oh yeah, you're right. Captain Picard is back day. So, and yes, um, Doctor, you'll be you'll you'll be uh, pleased to know that uh, the Empress is very excited about Captain Picard day. That's all I got. I mean, about Captain Picard being back. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. And, and uh, yes. <laughs> so, we're here to talk about um, the um, episode New Ground, uh, starring ba- Brian Bonsell. I think this is his first appearance as Alexander Rojenko. And do you recall they, what show he used a, to do? Family Ties. How could I Thank not? Thank you. All right. Yes. I watched every episode of Family Ties when I was a child. In fact, I went to school with a briefcase, and <laughs> I, I wanted to be Alex P. Keaton in the second grade, and I and I went to school wearing 
wearing a briefcase and and I used to pretend I knew about the stock market and politics. Oh my god. Which some might say I still pretend I know about politics and the stock market. So wow. <laughs> little has changed. But I was only a Republican. I was a Republican back then and I switched parties in the third grade so I was smart enough to realize that I needed to switch parties in the, in the third grade so I, I've been a Democrat since the third grade <laughs> Did you vote no, in any true. elections while you were in the second I, grade? I, I always uh, v- you know pretended to vote <laughs> and then I, when I got old enough to realize that you have to be 18 to vote, I was like, oh, actually, I haven't voted in any elections. <laughs> but I used to tell my little second and third grade friends that I'm voting today, even though I really wasn't. Oh, my God. That must, uh, past Sohail must have been an amazing person. <laughs> he was actually a lot... <laughs> past Sohail. <laughs> to say the least. He was actually to a, say the least. He was actually probably a lot like uh, Alexander Rojenko. This episode, although it may not get the rating you think is a very personal episode for me because I could relate to uh, Alexander Rojenko because I was very angry for some reason also when I was a little kid. And I used to tell lies. And I remember being admonished for it. And um, I, I never I remember anything. the lying part. Yeah. <laughs> That's nothing. That's not the same thing. That's different. Those those lies are in debate. Those lies are in dispute and debate. These are like actual lies. <laughs> the lies you referred to are just things you don't believe. <laughs> so so that's a different thing. Um, but no. And then I also got into a really bad situation with one of my teachers, who I actually like. It became a drama. Uh, you didn't go to my elementary school doctor, so I'm not going to name any names. But uh, it became a drama, and like the teacher and I confronted, and I was like, I hate her. I don't want to be in this class, and I started crying. It was horrible. I remember, and it was just so this triggered all those memories. <laughs> it was a big deal. Thank you for summarizing the episode for us. And yes, there we go. <laughs> uh, that's debatable. <laughs> uh, past Sohail, I like that. He's going to be a character from now on that comes on the show every now and then. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> but, um, uh, Doctor, do you want to really summarize the episode, like what I left out about the Salton way? <laughs> <laughs> For the sake of of, of brevity, I, I shall. All right, very good. Okay, so the Enterprise is a, is tasked to uh, observe this experiment involving a soliton wave, and uh, during this uh, during this experiment, Worf gets a, a communique from his uh, from his adopted mother that she's bringing. Uh, Alexander, his son, to the Enterprise, and uh, there basically she explains that you know he's uh, having troubles uh, assimilating back home, and they're getting a little too old for the rambunctious little Klingon, and so she drops him off, and Worf uh, enrolls him in school in various, you know domestic situations occur where uh, Alexander uh, you know bullies kids and 
and steal stuff and basically everything you just said about you know you and your teacher saying oh she hates me and all this stuff yeah and uh, meanwhile uh, the Enterprise uh, is engaged in this uh, observation of the soliton wave and the uh, they launch the wave the Enterprise is following this um, it's it's kind of like a dummy ship I guess right and yeah. the experiment goes awry and the ship explodes but the wave continues towards the uh, destination, which is this colony on another planet. And they realize that the Soliton wave is increasing in strength and will obliterate the planet if the Enterprise doesn't stop it. So the Enterprise uh, overtakes the wave. Uh, well, the Enterprise actually goes through is, goes through the wave at one point, doesn't it? Right. And uh, They have to because it's... As the wave is getting faster, it's also getting bigger, and so they can't go around. What are you? What are you showing us here? Is this uh, early? Uh, as seeing? you give the, as you give the summary, I'm drawing something that this episode, another past so hill thing, but this is more like from middle school. Uh, this episode inspired a whole uh, backstory uh, or side story of Star Trek that you remember, Doctor. All right, and, you um, created Soliton City, and so. Salton City. So I'm drawing a picture of Salton City yes. right now as you talk. So, anyways, go on. Well, the uh, the Enterprise is it's I don't know it's it has it has like five minutes to stop the wave before it uh, it destroys the station, and Alexander happens to be in this uh, I don't know this zoo that the Enterprise happens to have for a little while, and. Uh, He's injured. Well, no, there's an explosion. And they have to get Alexander out, and Worf and Riker rush to get him out. Of course, they get him out in time. Picard fires, says fire or something, and the wave is destroyed. And Worf and Alexander are in sick bay, and uh, they kind of reconcile with each other, and Alexander can stay for the time being. And he doesn't appear again until, what, ten episodes later? I don't know. Something like that. Right. He's on the ship, but he's not, like, going to be a regular everyday right. character that we see. Not like Jake Sisko. So the Soliton wave is a failure, and so is this episode. I agree. <laughs> and this is Soliton City, so this is the Soliton beam generator, which was invented from the Soliton technology, and it powers this incredible city that's a federation um colony as well and then uh in my i don't have i have to find my original drawings but in i had some intricate original drawings of the invasion of Salton city by the uh, romulans and they destroy <laughs> they destroy Salton city brutally and uh, that was the, oh, the no. backstory. Of, oh no! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think as young young people who are uh, into these uh, fantasies, uh, destruction is a is a very uh, fun <laughs> fun thing to imagine. What what was it exactly about the Soliton wave that ignited such interest? Because I have to I say, upon rewatching the episode, <laughs> how did this episode I, spark any interest whatsoever? This, yeah, the Soliton wave was I think very the, disappointing. I actually just thought the name Soliton was cool. Like okay. I thought that they did a great job naming naming it. Um, but 
but also I actually did pick up on the whole um, and and enjoyed the idea that uh, the Soliton technology was a way to do warp drive without a without an engine. You know, it was just like kind of like you would have warp ships that sailed on this wave. To it's a pretty it's a pretty deep sci-fi concept if you think about it. It may not be executed as as like amazingly as they could have. Uh, but within their scope and budget, I think they did a pretty good job with that. I think what actually does ruin this episode for people is the whole Alexander subplot, and so they're not really paying attention, or you don't remember that there's this whole other thing with the with the the technology stuff. So that really appealed to me, and I just liked the idea of an energy source. So I turned it into a beam. I thought, well, the Soliton wave failed, but what if they create like a beam to power? And they launched this like Soliton beam to power whole cities. Or in now, my imagination would go to whole planets. But as a as a kid, I thought like, ooh, you could power a whole city with it. <laughs> but um, well, yeah, it's just a cool name. It really appealed to me. I hope the CG looked better in your Soliton city than in this episode. <laughs> well, they're just they're in my <laughs> they're in my drawing style. By the way, I'm drinking my water. Oh. My fizzy water that you can see here out of a uh, Star Trek uh, glass. I don't know if you can see the symbol. So cheers to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> but yeah, I, I guess outside the outside the um, this episode's not one that I've rewatched since. <laughs> Since it was on DVD, <laughs> even though I love the concept, it's like I gained what I wanted, you know, from it, and then I I moved on. That being said, um, watching it this time around, I did take some notes. I already ta- so I talked about my personal life, which I wanted to get out of the, the way, <laughs> and then I talked about Salton City more, which was more uh, personal. So aside from those things kind of resonating, um, what I kind of clued into was like how the episode tried to kind of get your emotions by making you think that Worf is a bad dad but he's actually in the but when I was watching I was like I think he's actually a really good dad what do you guys think do you do you care <laughs> okay okay I, I'm gonna be honest the only thing that I find interesting in this episode is Deanna Troy and her relationship with Worf um, and the dynamic that they start creating because down the line well we know that I mean some people are against the fact that they got together technically at the end of the seventh season um i love i love, I, it. I love it too but even before that there's situations where there's a situation where wolf um asks deanna troy to take care of alexander if ever something were to happen to him and um i think that this episode starts laying laying the work on that and that's what i find interesting in this episode <laughs> other than that i don't know wolf well that scene's pretty good that scene is pretty good where she's kind of uh, trying to get him to confront his own anger and, mm. and kind of so they can relate to his son. Every um, every Deanna, like every Troy Wolf scene in this episode is good, but then the the Alexander and Wolf. And I, I never I never got the feeling that Wolf was the bad guy in this situation. Nor really Alexander. They're just two different people acting kind of. I don't know, out of place. I suppose. My son is a liar. Yeah, it's kind of... <laughs> he gets so mad. I don't know. It's, um, it, it's, it, there's an awkward execution to, to the story that they wanted to tell. Didn't uh, Julie Taylor write this episode? Did anyone look it up? You mean Jerry Taylor? Memory. Jerry Taylor. Oh, my God. Oh. Wow. <laughs> poor, 
poor Jerry Taylor. The first time we mentioned her, I thought she was a, a man. And then, and then you, you, that, you, you uh, slam her novelization you put, I put, I've, of unification did, for two did, episodes in a row. I prejudged the novelization. It's true. Story. I, we're so sorry, Jerry. Sto- Jerry Taylor, we actually love you. Story, story by Sarah and Stuart Chano and teleplay by mm-hmm. Grant Rosenberg. Oh, okay. I like how you say teleplay. Teleplay? Yeah. <laughs> teleplay. It's very British. <laughs> um, <laughs> I also. So, another thing. Screenplay, uh, right? Uh, Same think, thing, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Okay. I think what I liked about this episode, too, were this time around watching it, is I kind of focused in on. You know, again, off the high of Captain Picard is back, I was watching Picard more, and I like the scene where, you know, he's going in to give a briefing, Worf is going in to give a briefing to Picard, and they keep getting interrupted, and then finally he just kind of, like, sighs, and he's like, you're not the first... Uh, crew member to have a child, Mr. Wolf. Go and take... And, but he goes, go and take care of your business. <laughs> like, like, shoes him away. I, I actually hated that scene. What? Why? Because like, it, what? it doesn't make any sense. I, I think in the future we would... I, I didn't understand the the interruptions. You know, I agree. Uh, you know, and even today... There we go. It's in your notes. I have it Good. in my notes. I have in my notes written, are there no on-duty communicator block, blocking systems in place? Yeah. Like, he should be on duty. You can't call the dude on duty. Unless it's like a medical emergency, his son has, has broken his leg or something. Right. All Can't right. they just send an right. email? Hang on, hang on a sec. Okay. I mean, we have emails. Stop. You know, we have a, a, a way stop. of communicating <laughs> that doesn't a, a interrupt message. your daily... But you guys, like, he you gets, guys are he not, gets home and there's a voice message. One you guys are ignoring one important thing, and soon, Sean, like in about five, maybe six years, you'll actually understand it. But for a parent, the phone is always on, so to speak. And, and you might want to... No, 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 <laughs> it doesn't no, no. Matter. But that, that's like, not what we're saying. We're saying, though. yeah, there should no, be a system. Thing. The computer, there is a system. The computer has a protocol. It recognizes that Alexander, his son, is aboard the ship. So a message from his teacher and a message from his doctor, which were the two messages, come priority through. Why? And 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 go because it could be like the kids dying. I call but, bullshit. You know, like, they didn't yeah, think of that no, when they wrote the episode. They did not think of that yeah. when they wrote it. That is bullshit. hundred percent. That's the it. It's bullshit, but it makes sense. So I then everybody's calm would be I going off the all the time. Remember this. All right? Only if Remember like- this conversation <laughs> now. When, when we talk about this in future episodes, where people get interrupted for no good reason on duty about shenanigans. Why, why is right? it O'Brien's calm going off all the time? That hey, the baby is crying, and and <laughs> and nobody can. You know, we don't know why. It's got a fever. I mean, it, this. No, that doesn't okay, make any the, sense. Maybe what you're maybe Worf forgot to okay, maybe Worf forgot to turn on do not disturb on his settings before no, he went into no, the meeting, no, so it's no, Worf's no, fault. Yeah, no. you might have to do things like say I he maybe he forgot to put it on the calendar. He looked a little flustered. Come he was on late now. to the meeting. Okay. Remember I wait, so. Picard was waiting for him. He was Worf was late so to the meeting. So why didn't he get a thing when he's in the meeting saying Captain Picard is waiting for you? <laughs> He might have, and he rushed up there. He may have gotten one. 
It's just not on screen. Okay, I think these guys didn't know. I think these guys back in the day when they were writing TNG, they didn't they didn't have an idea of how cell phones would impact our lives and how like intrusive they could be. And so they didn't have like an idea of I don't know putting it on vibrate, putting it on silence. You know, receiving emails all the time. So for them, it was just we need yeah. a way to communicate on the ship, and everyone can communicate all the time. Uh, it, it, anyway, the, the the onboard communicating system on no, TN, on, on Enterprise is broken if you think about it, because there's no way <laughs> the computer's gonna know who you're gonna call, when you're gonna call them, because so, so, sometimes they, they just you know do data come down to engineering, and it's like how, how did the computer know? I don't know. It's. I'm sure we could. I'm sure we could uh, get a computer expert on here. Uh, no, you're wrong. Are there? If there are any, if there are any computer experts in the oh. audience, please uh, reach out or comment comment below over here. You don't want those comments, know, man. Because you're wrong. <laughs> Otherwise, Riker so would have his comm like on all the time, like "Do not disturb," because he's shagging. You know the end. So he would down. have two. He would have two, would have right? Two. <laughs> one for the shags and one for the duty, right? Exactly. Oh boy. So come on, man. <laughs> this doesn't make like sense. Two, like two beepers. Riker's a pimp. He has two. He's beepers. got one on his oh belt. My gosh. Um. <laughs> oh my goodness. It lights up and everything. Um. Uh, this is a this is like a preamble for our TOS discussions. You just reminded me of something with the belt uh, thing, but in the um, in the TOS episode, uh, Charlie X. Uh, there's a scene <laughs> if we remember this doctor we'll talk about this there's a scene where uh, Captain Kirk is talking to Charlie and he's wearing his yellow command standard command duty uniform tunic and they're called to the bridge and Charlie joins him and apparently he has time to go to his quarters and change into his green <laughs> tunic because when he comes out of the <laughs> he comes out of the uh, the turbo lift he's wearing the green tunic but the scene seems like it's like you know continuous so uh, it's going to be fun picking apart TOS when we get well, there well I suppose Cap- Captain Kirk <laughs> has like a change of of, um, of uniforms on him at all time cause, in, just in case he gets ripped right <laughs> Charlie would you help me tie this knot uh, <laughs> oh my <laughs> Oh my, indeed. Uh, Alexander was born on the forty-third day of Moktek and star star date four three two zero five. And Worf did not know that is the coldest. Uh, that birthday. is the coldest transition I've ever heard. He's <laughs> talking about Kirk's shirt. And <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> Do you think that's plausible? I thought it was sad. But it was okay. No comments from. But it was sad. <laughs> um, let's see what else do I have in my notes here. You know, I'm sorry. Just to attack the episode more, the, 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 the <laughs> just the scene where the teacher is asking for like basic questions that are probably in the kid's profile anyhow. I, I didn't understand very much. Like, oh, when's your birthday? It's right there on the screen. I'm sure. I mean. That kind of information is sense. standard even now, you know, in the school system. Like, right. you bring up, even sure I can Alexander look up the birthday uh, of the kid, you know. Uh, I'm sure uh, Alexander is chipped like every uh, star, every Federation citizen. It There were just a lot of situations <laughs> in this episode that I, I think were, were contrived to make Worf look like 
a, a bad dad, I guess. And, bad dad. And, and then, you know, I, I have to be honest, you know, the whole idea of the, of the Galaxy-class starship, isn't it to allow for officers and crewmen to, to have their families aboard the ship? That's the whole point of the Galaxy-class starship. So why did Worf not want Alexander there in the first place? I mean, he, I have to ask that question. Maybe he is... Maybe he is a bad dad. Like maybe so, he doesn't. He's like, uh, my yeah. I my impression is that Worf just never really wanted this kid around him to begin with. And well, he he admits to Counselor. Well, to be fair to Worf, he basically essentially admits to Counselor Troy that he's been upset or angry this whole time at Kalar for dying, and so I think he sees Alexander as like a reminder of Kalar and plus she also didn't tell him about Alexander it was like she kind of pulled a David situation um on Worf and um and so it must have been like kind of hard for him to to deal with that too so I think that's legitimate like I don't again I don't think he's I think the show I do agree that I think the show does try to convince us that Worf is a bad dad but I think he's just a hurt dad which is a little bit different than a bad dad let's now let's (laughs) compare that to how Worf was with that kid back in season two I think that's true that is an anomaly where he basically told the other kid yeah like he he (laughs) He didn't want his own kid to live with him, but he told the he bonded with the other kid right. and became his like, I, it, it's, his like yeah. I, I don't I yeah. don't think these I don't I my opinion is that most of these Alexander episodes don't paint Worf in a, in a very positive light. To 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 be fair, uh, um, you know, it they just kind they either go for that he's like this you know stuffy Klingon who can't relate kind of thing, which and. And more to the point, I don't even know why we have this kind of melodrama in Next Generation to begin with. I mean, it's just not the kind of story I'm interested in, really. It's not very well acted by either Dorn or, or the, the kid actor. And and I, I just Brian don't Bonsall. believe it. I, I just don't... I don't know. I just don't... I don't know. I, I just don't buy it. Like, you know, I, I think uh, Worf would have just left the kid with his grandparents... I, I the whole contrivance that oh we're getting older, you know even Worf doesn't believe it. So <laughs> I I just the whole that whole subplot just seemed. I don't well, know. That was the plot. That wasn't even the subplot. That, that's what hurt. That was right. That's true. That was the main plot. The subplot was <laughs> the Soliton. The Soliton wave. wave. Uh, but I I didn't enjoy it at all. Really, I, I think Worf is better used in episodes where. He's, you know, involved in, in the Klingon intrigue of his father and, you know, the Kittimer thing and okay. being disgraced and, and trying to find his place, you know. In all in, fairness, they, they, mm-hmm. they, do, they do manage to kind of, kind of make his son interesting um, later on. Like in season seven, they have this episode where, where this time, his son's time traveling comes back to the past. I remember that himself. one, and that, that's yes. that's an interesting episode. Not only is the twist it is. kind of kind of you know surprising um, the first time you watch the episode, but the episode is is good in itself, and it has a lot of those Klingon vibes uh, that you get from you know Worf's father, etc. And that that transition into his son, whereas these episodes are very much just um, a Klingon kid trying to adapt to like life on the Enterprise or life on Earth and. And life with his father that isn't really his father. He has to learn how to be his father. 
and we do get a little bit of Klingon lore in this episode. We learn a little bit more about um, <clears throat> Kalis and his brother Mora. Yeah, so this is the first time they mentioned Kalis since the original series. Hmm. Wow, I didn't realize that. Um, because hmm. and they didn't even say it right because well, the two of them say Kalis. He says Kalis. But even Worf says Kalis uh, <coughs> later on in, in the elevator in the turbo lift. How do they say it in the original series? They say, uh, they Kalis. Say, Kalis. They do say Kalis. And then in Discovery, in Discovery they say Kalis. <laughs> <laughs> they ca- yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, Which, yeah. Oh, by the way, I also... Uh, fun fact about Discovery. I didn't realize that Joe Minoski actually is an executive producer on the show as well as a writer. So, anyways, go on. <laughs> No, well, okay, second thing about Discovery, we talk about the Corvin Gilvos in this episode. This is the first time we see the, the Corvin Gilvos, which are those kind of bran- the, branch creature thingies um, that um, oh my gosh, a- you, Alexander tries to set on fire. I didn't even make that connection. So, and they, they say that the Corvin Gilvos, <clears throat> the Gilvo is like an endangered species because Corvin 2 is, you know, undergoing some industrial pollution or something, a victim of un- industrial pollution. And that is the one colony we see in Discovery that apparently... Um, provides it's a mine. It's a dilithium mine. Yeah, it's eighty percent of start of the Federation's dilithium, dilithium, which is just ridiculous. But apparently, that colony (laughs) that colony is overpolluted, and so that was a nice time to discovery. I mean, this these guys know these guys know how to tie in canon. They know how to do it. They just choose. They choose not to. It's it's a it's a nice tie-in from Discovery to TNG, not the other way around. So, But we're just discovering it, which is exciting. Yeah. We're discovering... Oh my gosh, Star Trek Discovery is helping us to discover... Oh, I, I, uh, mentioned, I mentioned it in my video. Um, in, my se- <laughs> I, in my season 4 video, I think. In my episode 4 video. Oh, my, you did? Okay. Yeah, my review. Yes. But, um, yeah. But it is nice to see that they, they did talk about industrial pollution in this TNG episode. And then, so, going back to Discovery, which is... I don't know, what is it, 200 years before? 200 years prior, maybe 100? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It would, no, it would only be About like... 100. Um, 100 and maybe 7 or something mm. like that. It's not that far behind. But, um... Yeah. The other, I guess the other tie into Discovery is that here's a situation where you see the Federation is actively engaged in uh, finding alternate technologies to warp drive, so... You know, again, like a, p- a lot of people think the spore drive is ridiculous, and they're like, "Why would it, you know, take place? Why would it? Why would? Why would that technology technology be there?" Well, I've always said maybe the spore drive is a failed technology, kind of like the soliton wave is. Like, you know, maybe it doesn't it doesn't actually become anything. Or who knows? Uh, one of the weird ideas that I had was that maybe Captain Picard stumbles upon. Um, uh, the uh, information about the discovery and uh, uh, using uh, his knowledge of, you know, maybe he's an archaeologist and using his knowledge of the uh, Iconian uh, technology that he witnessed and saw because in a cool video that uh, the real Ketwalski Nick did, um, he points out that there's like something that looks like spores in the special effects for that episode. So who knows? He might actually be able to create a new way of traveling and that could be a nice way to like uh, continue to tie discovery into the whole universe. Let me <clears throat> let me ask the two of you a question. Um, I mean, I, I don't think either of the storylines were well executed in the episode, but I'd like to Are you know. Completely froze. 
do you which what kind of storyline do you guys prefer to see a next generation just in general i mean do you prefer the type that are like the one like the soliton wave one where it's more you know a problem presents itself and the enterprise crew has to solve it and it's uh more science fiction i guess in nature or the melodrama of oh Worf's son arrives on the ship and the relationships and or I don't know Troy's mother shows up and oh how she relates to her like all that kind of stuff like which do you it's not one or the other for me I think I like to see I like a, a show that offers a variety of different ways of telling a story and a variety of different styles of telling that story. I actually think it's it's that's what I prefer. Like I don't want a show that's just always the same thing. Um do you have a preference uh, for one or the other? Which do you think yeah, next generation pre- which I do you a, think suits next generation better? I think they're always doing their best when they are doing an episode where we discover something new, like, you know, ex- the exploration type episodes. Okay. I think I mean I I prefer the episodes which are about science and, and, and discoveries and that kind of stuff. And it, it, they're the ones that stand out to me. They're the ones that you remember. You remember. Mm-hmm. The, and I think that when you want to do um, kind of character relationships, that kind of stuff, it's better to do it in a situation where they're already like the inner light. We're talking about an episode that it really does deal with family issues and that kind of stuff. But... Um, I don't know, it, there's interpersonal relationships, but it's in the context of an amazing concept. Mm-hmm. It's in the context yeah. of like a, um, a far-fetched idea like Darmok. Um, Correct. So that, that's, really the, that's really the best of both worlds. Um, whereas this is kind of not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Th- th- this yeah. episode wasn't, wasn't exactly the best of both worlds, but yeah. I think... I think that this episode and others like it do help when you look at Star Trek as a whole. Like, um, I don't, like I said, I don't, I don't particularly like line this episode up for, uh, you know, for when I'm in the mood to rewatch an episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation. But there are things about it that I remember when I think of, you know, some of the greater, you know, moments and like it just, it all helps to kind of like enrich the the backstory of of these characters and i think that like this is a, a an episode that does kind of touch on Worf's character and um it is touching at the end when he you know uh after alexander is recovering in in sickbay and and you know he kind of says like oh you know well you know there's a greater challenge and and you know we could face it together and you know the the, the fact that he comes around to the correct decision and and it you know and and you could tell that that's very you know meaningful to alexander and that part's acted i thought really well i do i do agree that there are times where like both michael dorn and alexander um and barn bonsell are um are, are stiff in their performance but i wonder if that wasn't uh i don't I don't think either of those actors are bad actors, so I wonder if that wasn't just a choice gone wrong. Like, maybe they thought this is a good way to play awkward uh, with each other, but it doesn't translate to that, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think it's that they're bad performance, but maybe bad performance 
you know, uh, bad choices uh, in that moment. Because again, that that scene in in sickbay I thought is acted pretty pretty nicely. Um, that's the one scene. Yeah, but it, yeah, that's, it's really that's not, the one no, scene that you remember and that has any sort of impact between them both. It, it's it's yeah. not when Worf is telling him off, or telling him about Klingon honor and how he disgraces, you know, you disgrace yourself, you disgrace me, you disgrace the family, whatever. It it is that one last moment where he says the greatest challenge. But it takes your faces. It takes all that to kind of make that meaningful, though, because like yeah, to, I, to have I, I like, agree that on a you know on, like generally speaking, these kind of moments for any kind of TV series are necessary. Just to, 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 as you say, add to the characters and create the characters and, and like kind of flesh them out more. But um, maybe when you get an episode like this, which kind of just doubles down on that, and the subplot isn't as interesting as we would have wanted it to be, or isn't executed as well as we wanted it to be, that's maybe where it just gets dragged down. Um, yeah, and then the other thing is, is that I think we all probably will come to the same you know kind of you know this kind of uh qualm is like okay so you do get this like touching moment and then you don't see alexander again for like 10 episodes or whatever you know whatever the doctor said it's like well i don't know if it's really 10 episodes just to be fair yeah but like (laughs) but i'm just saying like i do i do agree that you don't see alexander enough and it's like you're making this like the whole thing feels like an episode to introduce this this new character into the mix and um it doesn't happen. That happens with a lot of characters in TNG. <laughs> like, Ensign Row, they do the same thing. They have this whole thing about Ensign Row, and then they kind of just forget about it for been? a while. Yeah. yeah, it's like, she's, she's on episodes, the... Right? She's, she's, yeah, she's on the crew somewhere. We know she's on the ship. She's part of the crew, but... Right. Part of the ship, part of the crew. And in... And I think <laughs> I think in this way, <laughs> uh, DS Nine is that's why it's such a it was such a kind of like amazing show is because especially in the later seasons it's just like literally the story just keeps going for like a whole season you know or half a season and 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 you really feel that satisfaction and stuff like that and and I think that like what's I think that people who love TNG and 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 you know praise it so much as like the uh, the uh, re- ultimate Star Trek you know including myself they haven't rewatched have it in a while have to also remember <laughs> well they, I think they also have to remember that you know that's probably a lot of your sentiment because I was a kid when I watched Next Generation so of course it's going to have like this huge like you know place in my heart so the, it, it's not without flaw <laughs> so Alexander Sir, Rizenko I, I said it oh my god I got uh, got Humber to sit up again <laughs> Alexander Rizenko popped up um, so this was episode 10 he pops up in Ethics which is episode 16 so six episodes later I was close. There, yeah. And then he appears yeah. in episode 20 and episode 22, and that's it for season five. So he does four episodes in season five. And there's 24, so that's not a lot of episodes. Do Which, but the thing is, is that I think they were already, uh, I think also, if I recall correctly, the producers were kind of like not sure what to do with a kid, because I mean, <laughs> at the same time, it could get really like frustrating uh, if you have too many episodes with Alexander in it as well. Well, I mean, this is I mean, this is the second kid on the show really. I mean, we had Wesley who was an older kid mm. uh, to yeah. be fair, but but still it we you had, you know, the mother-daughter relation a mother-son relationship going on there and now, you know, it seems like we're setting up a father-son relationship. Do you guys think that 
Alexander would have worked better as a character if they'd had him on more often, if he would have been more of a of a regular fixture on the cast like Wesley was early on? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe this was just practice run for what they did with Cisco and, and, and Jake later on. Um, that That's a good observation, yeah. Because, I, well, yeah, I mean... I would say so. The, the practice run was Wesley and Beverly, and, I mean... Uh, okay, people think what they think about Beverly, people think what they think about Wesley. Their dynamic together, I think, never really worked. Um, really? I think the opposite. Really? Okay, I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I felt the love. I, <laughs> well, they're hardly together. I mean, they're really only together in the first season. They've only got these awkward moments where like, he's got some sort of science project. I think the dynamic between Wesley and Riker works a lot better. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so that's the I like, that's my I take, liked it because I kind of think that that's realistic because when I was a teenager I didn't really want to be around my parents you know what I mean like so I feel like and you do see um, Dr. Crusher kind of dealing with that I forget you know what episode it was in but like where she's like I wish my son would talk to me you know it was like one of these type of moments oh that's one so, of the episodes where he comes um, back from like the academy or something and he's on shore leave or something yeah no well, he's on leave Oh, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I can't tell. It's all blurred. It's all blur. It's just one big story. It's a blur in my mind. Um. Anyways, that that (laughs) never really worked for me. And so I think this one, this father-son relationship doesn't really work as well. This kind of parenthood story doesn't really work. Until we eventually get to, um, you know, Mm -hmm. the Cisco's. The Cisco's really does work. That's Yeah. He's hands down the best father in, in, in Deep Space Nine. Um, yeah, and from absolutely. the get from the get go, we're watching rewatching. Oh, I'm rewatching Deep Space Nine, and my my wife is watching it for the first time with me. We've just finished season two, and every time there's like a parenting moment between them both, um, she she's just sitting there nodding, agreeing with with everything that that Cisco has to say <laughs> to his son. So that's kind of awesome. Um, I thought uh, <laughs> I thought that uh, something else I wrote here in my notes uh, that we haven't talked about was um, I thought it was interesting the the holodeck scene how it was on level novice and like I thought what was weird is like Worf is a Klingon but he was doing a very like human like you know like yeah get him you know like this whole like you know prize fighter motion so I thought that was kind of funny and Star Trek does do that a lot um Worf I don't think Worf is as alien as he could be I don't think any of the the principal alien races are as alien as they could be um I would like to see like I I don't mind that kind of correction uh in future Star Trek series even though it's like one of the tropes that we're we're used to seeing the other thing that I have here in my notes is that they did the classic like everyone gets thrown (laughs) across the bridge uh, thing in, some in good ones episode. in this episode, yeah. They, 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 yeah, they they, they, <laughs> like, give, they give us a big one there, because like yeah. Dad is the only one that I, I noticed that Dad was the only one that left hanging on his console. Everyone else just threw themselves to the ground. Like, that was awesome. No, the other the other the other helmsman is kind of like like grabbing on like for dear life, but, and I thought she was gonna I thought she was actually gonna go over it, which was really funny. Um, so I, I wrote that down because cause there, again there's not much in this episode so you pay attention to like the the really <laughs> the really little you summed kind it of up things. there <laughs> which is why the Salton wave probably was I was probably like oh god father son relationship 
Oh my god. Oh, Salaton wave. <laughs> um the scene where Alexander is trapped under the beam I thought was worth uh, note and uh, discussion because it dealt with something that we hear about kind of all the time where it's like a parent will get super strength all of a sudden when they need to save their kid. Because uh, so, at first Worf can't really lift the beam and he, even with Riker's help he can't do it. But then things are getting dire, the clock is ticking, Riker... Goes oh by the way they had three minutes and it was like a ten minute scene uh, so so that was a, that was like a little weird too but anyways um, Riker goes off to try to get I don't know what he's gonna get to like help with the situation but then Worf can't wait anymore and he like actually lifts the thing and like tosses it aside and I wondered if you guys noticed that or had any like in, any in those situations about can't it. they use the phaser or something and melt. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I just feel like there's technology that they could use. They could just transport them out. That that too. Well, no, the, they, they have just they established them out? in the. No, they established in the episode that the uh, there was some kind of ion because they were too close to the solid oh, so they couldn't actually use the oh. the the transporter or the trans. Yeah, so that's mm. why they had to run down there <laughs> in the in the first place. <laughs> Um, so, but, but so, yeah, like, I, uh, well, the other thing is, is that the other th- weird thing is, is like, they show you where Alexander is on the ship, and the whole section is covered in red, but they're able to just go into the hallway, and they're safe there. So that was like, they're like not really that. F- it's not like they ran to a whole different section of the ship. They just like went into the hallway, and that's safe. So that was a little weird. It's too. the safe I hallway. Do some, yeah. Yeah, I do have some tre- explanations for it, but it's a stretch. So. <laughs> I, I do. I do. Uh, like they, they. They talk about how like the. The fire safety has been disabled or whatever, and that's why there's a fire, right? They, they mention that, but it is weird that there right. isn't more safety protocols in place, considering there's like endangered species in that lab. There's, they, they mention there's only 14, not 1,400 or 14,000, there's 14 left on the planet, and they have two on the Enterprise. And and that and that room can just burst into flames at any given moment, which is kind of. I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure how how Peter are going to react to that, but yeah, I the designers of the Galaxy Class Starship, I think um, I don't know. They need to. It looks comfortable. I mean, yeah, oh, very, but. <laughs> Well, not There's not some, not, the, uh, not the triangle pillows. They, they don't look comfortable. But by the way, I think today's Matt Jeffrey's birthday. Oh really? Uh, if I if I'm Is it? if Twitter was telling me correct information, wow. I'm not sure. But <laughs> let me look it up. Let's see. Um, while you're looking that up, I'm gonna spotlight a, little, a book I have here. Yes, I was called, hoping. Uh, I was going to ask about it. Yeah, this is uh, <laughs> this is called a field guide to the aliens of Star Trek: Next Generation. And uh, it's by... uh, These are reminiscences of a kid from the time. And he was making a zine about Next Generation. Mm -hmm. And uh, he would basically write about each of the aliens uh, that would appear. So this is written... uh, This is what he wrote about the Jadar, which is the alien... I was going to ask, did he say anything about Jadar? That that one random dude. (laughs) Yeah, so I'm going to read you a little bit of this. I can't wait. I can't this wait is an this. ugly alien I, I, whose chin looks like a melted turtle shell. 
Hold on, hold on. Stop reading for a second. Let me pull up the Jadar. Hold on. Uh, no, the, the description is quite accurate. <laughs> By the way, today is Matt Jeffries, the anniversary of his birth. He passed away, so... Uh, so, hold on. We're about to pull up this... Uh, um, this so we Jadar don't even know here. what race he's from. He's just... He's just... He's just... <laughs> Jadar. Yeah, yeah. The home planet, he even has a little question mark next to home planet. All right. So go there he ahead, goes. Go okay, so this is an ugly alien whose chin looks like a melted turtle shell. Based on the information... <laughs> look how he zooms in. Based on the information from this episode, those are aliens who make bad science decisions because they are trying to invert, invent warp wave technology, which seems like an incredibly dumb idea. <laughs> they want to get rid of warp drives and just have ships ride waves of warp energy, which is great as long as you don't mind not being able to stop or change directions or control your movements in any way whatsoever. <laughs> so that is the gospel as written by Joshua Chapman, age 11, uh, wow. from A Field oh, Guide. To the aliens of Star Trek Next Generation, a shout out to uh, to Zachary Auburn who um, who put who this wrote together. The book. Yes. That's amazing. Or put it together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. can, can you uh, can you show us that cover? Because uh, there's the cover right you there. Had the zine, you had the zines before, but now you have an actual. Uh, yeah, book, I right? bought Let one of the see. zines in the in you know the original zine format, and then uh, he was actually it was very nice. Uh, I I bought it. And, and it didn't arrive so I emailed him I didn't realize this till a year later and I emailed him a year later I said look I know this sounds stupid but I, I ordered your zines and they never arrived and I just realized this is there anything uh, you can do and he pointed out that well I've actually collected them in a, in a really nice nice volume here and uh, if you're a Next Generation fan I really uh, um, I, I would I would highly recommend this. Look it up. I got it from a used bookstore. Did you tell him we use it as a reference on the? I did. Uh, on the Actually, show? I did. I mentioned nice. it in the email. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Uh, well, you'll have to send him this episode because we basically just gave him a plug. So yeah, everyone go. I will. I will. <laughs> everyone I go. Will. Everyone yeah. go and buy the book. Um, that's that, awesome. That, it is I'm, very entertaining. I, I want to buy it now. That was that was just an amazing quote. I love that. God. There, there's, there's some really hilarious ones here. A lot of them end up. Uh, he ends up just talking crap about his mom, like <laughs> you know, my mom makes me do homework or something, and she's really, you know, I just want to watch Star Trek. Yeah, it's, it's really. There's some really, there's some hilarious Doc. ones. <laughs> um, do we have anything uh, from the other book by Larry Nemechek uh, about this episode? Because I think, unless you guys have notes, I think we're uh, almost ready to to wrap the show. <laughs> I I think we're ready to wrap the show. Yeah, I think we are. <laughs> I left the book all the way over there. I don't want to go up. All right, I'm gonna quickly. I'm gonna go quickly to Memory Alpha because I, I do think there are some uh, uh, some little quick facts. But go ahead uh, and I did, start your ratings. I did. Oh, I should give mine first, right? I did put in my note something, mm -hmm. which oh, okay. I, I read now and it's very mean. But I wrote down. I feel like I should be more interested in the B plot because yeah, like this this yeah. whole new technology kind of thing should be should be interesting. But I, I like I wasn't I wasn't. 
interested in it whatsoever, so... There was no effort. Well, there was very little effort put into it. I mean, everything from the, the scientist who is uh, who came up with it. Uh, he's very boring and, and, and ugly. Mel- melted turtle shell face. <laughs> right, yeah. They put more effort into the makeup of the of the melted turtle shell than they so did much, into so the So much plot. effort in this makeup. <laughs> but it's true. It's like you you don't really... No, and, and the episode is almost meta in the way... You know, the, in the beginning when Jordy is all excited about it and he goes to Data and he's like, aren't you excited? And Data's like, uh, uh? and Worf is <laughs> oh, just like kind of like, about, eh? he goes, we're, we're about to witness uh, a moment in history. And he goes that every every nanosecond is a moment in the space time continuum, which I thought. Don't you, yeah. really, <laughs> you just roll your eyes when yeah, he says nice. stuff like that? Yeah, because no, he's I doing it on it. purpose. I think it's great. He I is. Mean, he's an he's asshole. He's such a dick. He really yeah. is. <laughs> Data's not a dick. He doesn't have those emotions. Oh, come on. He's doing, oh, that. He's doing that on purpose. He's doing it on purpose. He's just he knows. being a dick. <laughs> he knows. He's trying to aggravate his, uh, his here... friend. Or, or, or the person <laughs> that he's used to having with him. LaForge states that watching the wave will be like being there to see Chuck Yeager break the sound barrier or Zephram Cochran engage the first warp drive. Which is interesting because then, which is awesome because then first contact happens. And so, I don't think they even remembered this episode when they made first contact. Well, and then, so the note says he is in fact present for the latter and actually participates in the flight itself. So it's kind of yeah, funny I don't, I don't how think that they happens. remember this episode when they were writing First Contact. They probably had no idea it existed. But Throughout this episode, the name of Kalos the Unforgettable is mispronounced as Kal, <laughs> which we already pointed out. Um, a mission report for this episode by John Sayers was published in the official Star Trek The Next Generation magazine. Uh, and the director remembered the father-son angle did that for me. Michael's normally in the position of having to feed lines to others on the bridge. Yeah, it's kind of true that he does get to be his own kind of character in the, in this episode, which is nice. Um, and that's it. There's not any... There's nothing major <coughs> in this um, <laughs> in this at all. So it's a pretty empty episode. Oh, God. All right, hey, you went first. Now I you'll never know what my true rating was because you're gonna. Think I don't I'm care lying. what it is. It's a three. <laughs> it might, you know what? I mean, I'm I'm being generous with the three. Wow. <laughs> but because um, you know what, I I don't I I have to admit I don't hate the episode. There are episodes I actively hate mm. uh, yeah, on Next true. Generation. So uh, you know, I reserve the ones and the twos for the ones I actually hate. This this is it's just it's just boring. It's it's there. I think um, they just nobody. I don't know. They they didn't try that hard with this episode. It just didn't it just didn't cook very well. So I, I give it a three. I'm gonna give the episode a four. Okay. And that's just because of the Salton wave. Oh, yeah, I, I gave it a four as well. Um... It's not. It's not an episode that I would like. If I'm doing a full TNG rewatch, then I will rewatch it with the others. I'm not gonna like skip it. Shades of Grey, I would skip. Um, really? <laughs> wow. Yeah. We hated Shades of Grey, didn't we, Doctor? No, but I mean, you wouldn't skip it. No, I wouldn't skip this one. I would watch it because it is like the re- the return of of Alexander. I don't know. It's it's got hmm. a few lines with Deanna that I enjoy. 
Um, it's got those kind of beginnings where she 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 has those those moments with Wolf, so I, I like that. I wouldn't skip it. It's just not a very interesting episode. It, it, at a time where they had to pump out 26 episodes per season and they were making them weekly, um, there's bound to be some some crap ones. And yeah. this th- this didn't <laughs> feel like a crap one. It just felt like one that like they were already. They were already interested in the next episode that they were writing, and so this right. one kind of just, just okay. It's let's just make it. By the, and way, then we'll yeah. on. by the way, we're gonna continue this odd kind of thing. The next episode is uh, Hero Worship, which is about a kid that thinks he's Data or thinks he's an android. Uh, if you guys yeah, that, recall that, so episode. it's like yeah, we're, <laughs> that's two episodes in a row that we focus on a little kid. And again, so that's why you know TNG is interesting because. In syndication, it goes out of order a lot of times, so you don't know. You know, you you may never have seen these episodes back to back in syndication. In final, in in current syndication, in the original air airing, it did episode, it did air one after the other. But um, I think that's interesting. So, so I wonder how much yeah, next- these kind of like having two or three of these episodes in a row. I wonder how much that actually hurt TNG as it was being released. Well, I think there's a practical reason they do episodes like this where there's not. Um, there's not a lot going on. It's more exposition because it gives the whole team a break. Like you don't have the budget to do like spectacular uh, effects-driven episodes every single time. Like we got, you know, like the last episode, for example. Uh, which, by the way, uh, Doctor, you owe us a little addendum for the episode "A Matter of Time," uh, which is the last episode that we talked about. That episode seems like really production heavy like it had a lot of you know effects and things like that but and, it wasn't very you know, good either a lot of dr- well i like that episode but <laughs> but uh but yeah you wanted to talk about the great matt fuhrer a little bit more oh i, I did to you but i, I oh i thought you were gonna talk no, about it no on, on, you said like, i should but i didn't agree with you <laughs> uh, that's a shame i mean i mean um, i like i mean i like him as an actor i mean you know i just uh I enjoyed your dis- the, the discussion you guys had. It was very good. It's very entertaining. The whole future, <laughs> future, future so hell, hell, hell that yeah, actually yeah. that actually ended up being past so hell. Yeah. <laughs> and the there was discussion. great tension as to what the rating was going to be, and and uh, <laughs> the, that, that was that was that was my was favorite gonna, episode. Yeah, that was great. I was I was in pins and needles there. Yeah. We can't do that on every episode of Starfleet Boy, but you know it has to be casual and informal. Yeah. But what, that one I did. What would you do? What, what would you even use to, to, like, in the same way for this episode? There's, there's nothing going on well, in this I episode. D- there's nothing. I did. I talked about my child, <laughs> my childhood in the beginning. That, that was my moment. My, <laughs> my Starfleet Boy moment for this episode. All right. So uh, I guess the average is going to be like a four point. I mean, sorry, a three point eight. Yeah, it looks like we have some agreement over there. Yeah. <laughs> that that pretty, much, sum, that's pretty much sums up the episode. It's a it's a three point eight. So f- nah. three three point eight yeah. future database person uh, log this in the uh, in the database. <laughs> punch it in. <laughs> punch it. Punch it. Punch it in, database person. Um, uh, real quick before I let you guys uh, off the hook here, um, uh, has have you guys heard any new? News that seems legitimate about the Picard show. Like, what do you think? Uh, what do you think? I think the only legitimate news has come out recently. Is uh, it's not about the Picard show. It's about Chris Pine and 
Chris Hemsworth pulling out of Star Trek Four. <gasps> Have you guys seen the that? The Chris's are out. No, I didn't see that. Okay, so essentially what's happening is Pine and Hemsworth are now both part of, respectively, the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the DC Extended Universe. And they also have big careers going on with other movies, and so they're, they're worth a lot and a lot of money. And con- considering um, Beyond was like um, considered a failure compared to Into Darkness, they've pulled the budget way down on that movie. And so they want they want like a smaller budget, um, but they want to bring back Hemsworth, which is now one of the biggest actors in Hollywood. Um, and they want Pine. And they want all the others. So, essentially, what what's going on is apparently what character? Sorry, go on. Oh, uh, he's Thor, but then Chris Pine. No, Chris, Chris Pine. Chris Pine, Pine is, what is he he's was. Kirk. Um, well, he's Kirk, but <laughs> he, Chris Pine is um, like uh, what, what's I forgot his, I forgot his character's oh, Trevor. name. Trevor. Um, Steve uh, Trevor in Wonder yeah. Woman. Wonder Woman's oh, boyfriend, but he dies. But he dies. But no, he's, 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 confir- he's confirmed in in 1984, yeah. which is another debate entirely. Uh, but he's confirmed for the next movie. Anyway. Um, oh wow. Okay. Yeah. So, but he he's also been in a Wrinkle in Time. Wrinkle in Time was a terrible movie, but it still was a huge Disney production. Um, anyway, the, the the idea the deal is apparently they were they've been taking their um, they had agreed upon contracts, but then um, Paramount would have. Taking them like taking the um, the pay grade down. They, they they don't want to pay them as much, and so they're mad and they want to leave. That's that's the deal, and so everyone's freaking out and saying that they're going to leave and they're mm-hmm. not going to they're not going to be part of the next movie. I think it's all a plot and a ploy because this happens on a regular basis, where um, agents do it on purpose to make these kind of situations go public, so that then the studio has like pressure from the fan base and pressure from like the public. And so what they do is they just bump up the paychecks and then get them back. And then, you know, it's just a a tactic to kind of um, upgrade their pay. So that's what I think. And that's what I think is going to happen in in a few weeks' time. Because the production was going to start. Because they have the director, they have the script, they have everything in place. And the production was going to begin very soon. Um, mm. And so I think just before everything got underway and all the contracts and everything's like everything was signed correctly, they wanted to do some sort of, and it's a good thing to have them both do it at the same time, so that mm-hmm. everyone freaks out and then it makes a whole mess on the internet, which is what every friggin' Star Trek blog has been doing over this past you know few days. I didn't even know about it, so I'm so bad at I'm so bad at the. Then internet, again, I, I, I could be wrong. <laughs> I could be wrong, and they could say no, we don't want to come think, back. I but think I you're think, right. I think you're right, and and there's actually precedent for it within Star Trek, the original the, in the original crew when they were doing their movies. Oh well, yeah, I think William Shatner was always Shatner trying to pull it a couple <laughs> of times. But interestingly enough, uh, Sulu is the one oh, who is right, most right. known, uh, who's most well known for it. Uh, after Star Trek Three, I believe. Uh, no, no, I'm sorry. It was after Star Trek Four. So they were, they were negotiating for part five, and George Takei did a film outside of the United States, and he was paid a lot more for it. And I'm trying to, I don't rem- I think it's Prisoner of the Sun, or Prisoners of the Sun. And uh, he, he actually didn't realize he was worth that much. They paid him like an exuberant amount uh, compared to what <laughs> he had been paid by Paramount, you know, hmm. for all these years for Star Trek. So. <laughs> 
twelve ninety five. Well, it's just kind of like, gosh, I can make this kind of money. Like mm. it was, it was very, it was very nice. And so, you know, when when it came time for Star Trek Five, he said, "Well, look, these guys just paid me this amount of money, and you guys want me to go back to that scale? That doesn't make any yeah. sense. I'm clearly worth this much because I made this film. I, no, it was Return, Return to the Bridge in the River Kwai. That's what it was." Believe it or not, there mm-hmm. was a sequel <laughs> to that movie, and George Takei was was on it, and uh, he got paid uh, quite a bit of money for it, and and so it hit. Uh, well, we didn't have the internet then, but it hit fan circles that George Takei might not come back for Sulu, and and it actually took a couple of phone calls from you know Chekhov and and uh, and even Shatner himself to mm. kind of. You know, but but you know, I need you, George. I need you there by my side. Right, and and, and tensions were already kind of fraught to begin with, but I, I think he did. Yeah, can't fly can without I, you. I can't fly without a pilot. <laughs> I need my helmsman. You're not just ruining it for me, George. You're ruining it for everyone involved. <laughs> <laughs> So, I believe they did pony up. And, Get and the heck off my phone, <laughs> Bill. I don't want to talk about this. You can speak to my lawyer. There we go. Hey I think that's a quote from the book. <laughs> uh, so, there is precedent for this. So, I'm, I'm very hmm. curious to see. I, I honestly, I, um, I don't know. Chris Pine doesn't really have, you know, his career is kind of interesting. It, it, he... Outside of Star Trek, I mean, what can we really say he's done that's been very popular that that he actually owns? Uh, it's not much, I don't think. Because, um, I mean, with Wonder Woman, obviously he's not the main character. He's just second fiddle or maybe even third fiddle to... That, that is his big Hollywood movie. Other than right. that, I loved him in The Finest Hours. Um, Which is a very, very good movie, but it did not do that well. No, but uh, I think he does, he does smaller movies generally. Um, Hello, yeah. High Wa- Hello, High Water was awesome. That's um, a fantastic film. And um, see what I mean? But the, but then yeah. these aren't, these aren't huge movies. No. Um, but I mean that. I was think he, he Jack Ryan? Is that my imagination? He he was the last Jack. Well, yeah. Now there's a new one, but yeah. I, that I mean, see, so yeah. So his I think he's he enjoys his career as that. He has a few big. You know franchises that he's linked to, and then he does just movies that interest him. Anyway, the two Chris's now, Chris Hemsworth and Chris Pine, are hugely bankable names. Yes, and they are, if you yeah. have them both in the same movie, um, and then I mean, people do know about Star Trek, and even if it's not like the most mainstream of franchises uh, in the you know the movie industry, if you have Star Trek, and then you have Chris Pine and Chris Hemsworth on the poster. You're gonna get a lot of money. Like a lot of people are gonna watch that, um, and so I think they know. Paramount knows they'll just pay them more. They'll just bump their paychecks. If if even the rumors are true that they that they you know want to pay them less, because I can I I don't really believe that. If they have the, an established contract, I don't see how Paramount could would be able to back down on that unless they have like a, a fine print that says unless your last movie didn't make enough, like. Mm-hmm. We can kind of dumb down the, but I don't know. Yeah, you're only as good yeah, as your last we'll movie. Yeah. 
But then movies are interesting um, because I, the, 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 the backlash that Into Darkness got years after it came out, because initially people loved it, uh, but they were all hypocrites and stupid. They were all hype because it was a bad movie. And then years later, everyone kind of agreed that it was a bad movie. That impacted Beyond as it came out. And so even though Beyond is bitter, Beyond made a lot less money, but that's because of um, Into Darkness. Same thing, Into right. Darkness is the most technically profitable Star Trek movie that there was, but that was because people pretty much enjoyed Star Trek 9 that it was a good way to reboot or re- revitalize the franchise. Right. So in the same way Beyond was very good, I think, well, very good, Beyond was, Beyond was fun. I think mm-hmm. people, people uh, have high expectations for the next one, and if you put Pine, Hemsworth, it, yeah, anyway. Yeah. I think that's what's going on. This whole thing will blow over in a couple of weeks. Unless, of course, they just walk out and then we'll be only be left with Tarantino Trick. And if they, if they do walk out, I'll tell you what, it, I, as much as I do want Pine and Hemsworth to be in this movie and I do want this movie to happen, if it doesn't happen, then make it about Captain Sulu. Give Ooh. us a John Cho Captain huh. Sulu movie. Call, wow. it, call it Sulu a Star Trek story. No, just don't. But, um... <laughs> give us wow. Give us give us a Captain Sulu movie and I would love that. It would be actually really neat to see a Calvinized uh Excelsior type uh vessel. I I, I actually um, Not only that, but in the social know, really, climate that we exist yeah. in. Like having this um openly gay uh main like main cast lead and he's Asian, like just the people would go crazy over that. They would love it. Yeah, I think George Takei might feel a, a little upset because he's been wanting that film for like uh, yeah. a long time. Find, for find a way, find a, he find might a way to be able to be in. Find it, a way to bring him in. Sport drive him in, whatever. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. Um, <clears throat> very cool. Okay, well, so we're ending the uh, rumors and news portion of. <laughs> Um, and uh, and now uh, we're gonna say goodbye so thank you gentlemen for joining me I'm sorry uh, that the episode was not uh, not one of the more exciting ones but I felt we got a good conversation going out of it so that's that at least was uh, worth the uh, the price of uh, of soliton waves anyways uh, live long and prosper (laughs) and we'll see you next time Oh, my God.